Welcome to the Road to Reinvention podcast. I'm your host, Sherelle Dorsey, tech founder, author, speaker, and networking connoisseur. After several successful businesses and what many would consider a life well-lived, I found myself struggling after earning all of my gold stars to answer the simple question of what's next. Once you've done everything you said you would do and then some, do you create just another goal? Do you hang it up? Do you pivot and show up in a new space? Do you do something you're passionate about and damn proud of? Or do you once and for all decide to put that kind of energy into your personal life and put the work aside? I don't know yet, but I have tons of friends and colleagues and people I admire that have tracked this same journey who will be joining us this season to bear it all. How they answer the question that left them puzzled after earning the highest of highs. Join me in tuning in to hear from those who learn to navigate their own road to reinvention. Welcome back to The Road to Reinvention. Today, my guest is Phoenix Jackson. She's an award-winning impact entrepreneur, a communication strategist, a fintech investor, an author, as well as a speaker. Phoenix's calling has been to empower women and men alike concerning their abilities to influence and impact others through self-actualization and entrepreneurship. Phoenix is the founder and CEO of Phoenix Effect, a 16-year global public relations, communications, and business development firm. She has worked with many small business owners, nonprofits, professional athletes, entertainers, authors, speakers, helping them to manifest their desired outcomes in business. Phoenix recently launched the PR University to keep concise and practical application tools to small business leaders and influencers who want to do their own PR. She has won many awards for her work, including Barack Obama's Top 25, My Brother's Keeper Leaders, Denver's 40 Under 40, Denver's Ones to Watch, Entrepreneur of the Year from the Covenant Daniels College of Business, and more. Phoenix, thank you so much for joining me on the road to reinvention. Thank you for having me. Wow, I did all of that. All the things, and I'm girl. only 18. I know. I'm only 18. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to dive into our conversation. I'm excited. I'm ready. <laughs> Phoenix, you and I met at the bathroom <laughs> during a conference for CEOs, and we got into conversation, and immediately I felt like, oh, she's my people. Yes. And we have been connected ever since in so many different capacities, having like late night FaceTime conversations, Wind talking down. about everything from like life to business, to relationships, to babies and like all of the things. Yeah. And it's been so transformative to have someone speak about your journey in the way that you have. And you've achieved such an incredible level of success. Being an entrepreneur since the age of 19, mm -hmm. never working in a traditional corporate space, yeah. but building an incredible business and having so many different life pivots, professional pivots. But what I find so fascinating about you as a person, as someone who's like, who I've gotten to know is that you're so unapologetic about being grounded and authentic to who you are. Yeah. So I want to know, and I want our viewers and our listeners to really hear about like the ways in which you step through your various reinvention processes. Let's start kind of from the beginning. That like at 19, like you're like, I'm about to do all the things. Listen, <laughs> first off, you have been such a blessing of energy into my space. And I'm 
I have been praying for a while for women in my life to mm. feel like I could find my true authentic tribe. Now, granted, I have girlfriends that we've been close since before we had breasts. I still have my <laughs> closest friends, right? But it's like... I love that the I training was, bra days. Was, no, listen, it's so, so serious. But I was like, I was the only like entrepreneur. Okay. I was the only super spiritual one. Everyone else was more religious. Um, I was the only one who was like, no, I'm not going to take that route. I'm going over here. Mm -hmm. And so to meet like, like-minded women like yourself, who I feel like is also just moves by the beat of your own drum has mm -hmm. been so refreshing for my soul. So first mm -hmm. off, the bathroom intervention and meeting was meant to by the ancestors. And we just stayed right? in the bathroom, <laughs> just talking, just talking. But oh. my very first pivot was like at 19, like you said. So I was not only the first black to get a pre-medical pharmacy fellowship in Colorado. Um, I uh, went to the, the biggest university at the University of Denver for um, being a biomolecular um, major pre-medicine. So my whole family was like, she's going to be a doctor, right? I'm, right. Like, I'm a scientist, yeah. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> and that was the focus. But at 19, it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, no, I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm. Being a doctor, I can help one person at a time. Being an entrepreneur, I can help masses of people mm. at a time. And so it just clicked in me. Like, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I think I want to start a business. And then like fate opened up to where I ended up helping my fiance at the time with his business and then other people saw that and they were like well can you guys design us a website can you guys help us build a brand can you guys do this can yes. you guys do that and it grew so much so that i ended up winning all these awards and all this stuff started happening because we were just in spaces as this young black couple doing all of this work in colorado which is a predominantly white predominantly jewish ran state yeah. let's just be honest yeah. you know and that was my first major pivot. Family was not happy about it. Some mm. of my friends were not happy about it. They're like, wait a minute, you did all this work and got full rights, you know, academic yeah, scholarships. Yeah, you're supposed to be solving and you're getting us a cure for cancer. Listen, like, and that's, they were like, what do you mean? Your your grad school is paid for. Medical schools are like, your pharmacy and med all that's gonna be paid for already. What are you doing? So medical school is paid for, grad school is paid for. And, and you're like, I'm going to go And I was like, I'm great. not doing any of that. I'm going to create the Phoenix <laughs> Effect. Yeah, well, it had a different name before. Okay, what was it? What was it before? It was called Nation Marketing Group. Nation Marketing which Group. Is, which is like horrible branding. It was like, well, we market to the nation. We're Nation Marketing Group. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. But that was the first pivot. I completely took the route that no one anticipated. I just followed my intuition. Yeah. And upon graduating from college, everyone thought I was like ignorant coming out of DU. They're like, DU's the, you know, number eight at the time business school in the country. And they were like, you're graduating out of Dana's College Business, like go get a job in one of these corporate, you know, offices. I was offered my first six figure salary at 22. Mm. And that was a lot of money back then. Yeah. Cause I'm now <laughs> <laughs> like me and my partner at the time were like, no, like let's like, even though we were like scraping by, it was like, no, stay on the trajectory of your own journey. And That's your just own a lot course. of faith. That's just a lot of faith. Like, especially That's when all I have. you get a nice option and opportunity to and be like, oh, okay, well, I can do this for a couple years and just get solid. And then, you know, go try being an entrepreneur. But you were like, no, all in, full throttle. All in. I think I uh, knew something that I really understand today, which is that my energy to maintain external 
things is very low. Mm. My alert to external details is very low. I wanted to live a life that was at my own pace and at my own level of comfort, of expansion and contraction, not dependent upon outside forces. Mm -hmm. So that started then. So that was the first major pivot. Okay. And it's been all the way, it's been a flow of entrepreneurship ever since. I love that there was so much um, hard work along with serendipity and along with a sense of authenticity. And I know that you have worn and you continue to wear so many hats. I mean, being an entrepreneur since 19, turning down a six-figure job, deciding not to go and cure cancer. Like, (laughs) these are like major things. And you also became a wife. Yep. became a mama yep. and you know also had some transitions in your relationship which I feel like you have continuously like shared and, and showed the fullness of your womanhood you've been playing all of these roles you've made these moves and you've had such deep successes I mean your career has spanned so many rooms and spaces that I don't think most people that like follow you or like people will see your work and not know that that's you, which of course is like the challenge of publicists, right? If you're a good publicist, like Mm -hmm. no one should be able to really even track things back to you, but you've been in rooms with Michelle Obama and Oprah and so many celebrities that we know and that we love. And yet the groundedness for you, the moving at your own pace has seemed to take center stage. And what I love about having met you at the bathrooms (laughs) not so long ago is your authenticity about not just who you want to be, but how you want to show up. And I feel like we were FaceTiming one day and your son came home from a practice or something like that. And your face just like lit up. And I think you had even shared, um, you had shared on either TikTok or Instagram or something about um, how you taught your son how to meditate when he was little. Yes. And I was just like, see, this is the kind of hippie mom that I want to be one day. Like, teach me your ways because like the tools and, you know, the, the conversations that you're having where you could be in a space with celebrity, it could be very artificial based on what you've accomplished. Yeah. And yet like your rootedness in, in the way that like you, you continue to kind of have like very real grounded talk still seems so innate. Like it's not, I don't get an act. I don't get a shell of you. No. Um, talk to me about like how, how you maintain that. So first it came with me truly understanding and learning. And it's always a journey and understanding who I really was. Mm-hmm. Right. And the core of me hasn't changed all of these years. Yeah. I'm still the same bleeding heart little girl I was as a kid. I'm still the same person um, through these years, but I've just evolved into like a more concrete version of myself, mm-hmm. which I think that's what the journey is all about. And I, so I wasn't raised with a mom. Mm. So I learned how to mother myself early. Wow. And so me being a natural mother started very young of me mothering myself. So that's why I always tell people, y'all may think I'm good at some stuff, but being a mother is like what I'm best at. I can mm. raise I can raise some kids. Yeah. Specifically black kids. But boys. how did you know <laughs> how did you know how to mother yourself, especially with the deficit of not having your mom growing up? I didn't know. I just understood that 
I don't have soft feminine energy around me that if I fall and bump my head or go into the wrong direction, I have someone who can scale me back and point me into the right direction. I don't have women around me who are in their softness and femininity. And the examples of women I had around me were not like, none of them are, are like I am, mm. who I am today. But what I noticed was like, oh, I can take a piece of this person, a piece of this, like a piece of that, but no one around me was like what I wanted to be. So mm. I had to sort of invent myself mm -hmm. and be my own role model, if that makes sense. Like, who would I want my daughter to look up to? What's the type of woman I want my son to marry? Yeah. You know, and my partner said a while ago, uh, he was like, I'm so floored with the fact that you have raised this masculine son still being within your softness, right? Mm -hmm. But it was, I don't feel like I had a choice. So it was like, I didn't know how to mother myself. It just, I didn't have a choice. I knew that I had to be strong and still be feminine. I knew that I had to make decisions that were going to benefit me into a space of freedom and alignment mm. before I even knew what freedom and alignment was. Right. The I knew, language. I knew, right. I knew, I knew what I didn't want. Okay. And I just followed the path away from that. If that makes sense. You were like, if yeah. you're going left, I'm going to go right. Yes. Yeah. And so... That was that was my life. I didn't need to uh, make a lot of mistakes to bump my head to change directions. I just really listened to spirit, listened to my higher self, and then looked around at what was not working with everybody else. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. That doesn't seem effective. That doesn't seem to be working for them. That's probably not going to work for me. But I didn't see anyone around me doing the things that I was doing, even at 18, 19 years old. There yeah. was not any There was not any other black girls around doing the yeah. stuff I was doing in Colorado or who were just like charging forward. And I was boisterous. I was arrogant. Yeah. Not, like, so not so much today. Not so much today. But back then, I was like, I'm, I'm smart. I'm at the top of the class. I'm this. Like, I was uh -huh. like, mm, like, I just... You know, but that was me covering the sort of the pain and other things. They say like egotistical behavior is bred out of insecurity. That was me being insecure about the, the life that I had at home. The fact that I didn't have a, a mom around. The fact that my dad had issues. He was a decent parent. He was 50-50. He had his issues. Mm -hmm. It was it was covering up all that. But what it did was it opened doors for me. Me embracing and being this like boisterous, intelligent, mm -hmm. clearly brilliant young girl opened all these yeah. doors. And I realized like it's okay to take up space. Yeah. It's okay to move in the way that's going to, you know, open doors for yourself. Absolutely. I want to go back to the boisterous confidence, the arrogance, and being in, you know, spaces where, like, I come from Seattle. We talked about this before. I'm from Washington State, come from Seattle. At the time, the population was less than, like, 7% Black. Mm -hmm. And I think that I definitely overcompensated for being in rooms where a lot of times I was the only person that looked like me or didn't have examples of folks doing the things that I wanted to do. And so you're kind of automatically deemed as like brilliant and genius because, you know, not that you aren't, right? but because you shine so bright separately from what the status quo looks like. And at the same time, like you said, that overcompensation for the things that you didn't have. Now it's like, I don't want you to see all of that. I want you to see whatever version I present and what I want the narrative for you to think of me Instead in terms of, of how, right, notions. because I have invented myself and I, you alluded to that. Yep. And I feel very similarly. I completely invented myself. And on the opposite end, it's like, I didn't have a dad. 
right? Mm -hmm. Like I had this like story that had been affected by things like foster care or drug addiction and all of these things within my immediate family of origin. But that's not the side I wanted folks to see. Exactly. I wanted you to see the straight A's. I wanted you to see the honor roll and the class president and the I'm doing this, that, and the third. Like, it's almost like, look at the sideshow over here. Like all that back in the house, it's all a mess. Like, don't look at that. Exactly. And it's, I think- The biggest lesson that I've gotten in my own journey has been embracing all that you are. So learning how to integrate and merge and marry both sides, because the fact that I didn't have certain things in my life has Mm -hmm. manifested me to be the person, the mother, the woman, the the person that I am in in journey and Mm -hmm. learning how to have compassion and understanding for people where they are, because I saw so much growing up that was unhealthy Mm -hmm. that I actually have a level of like appreciation for other people's brokenness and Mm -hmm. and hoping that they heal and align themselves. But I think that I transitioned again. My second major pivot was getting married, being with someone for like six and a half, seven years, getting a divorce and coming out of that marriage so broken Mm. and coming out of there in a state at the same time aligned. There's alignment in our brokenness as well. It's an opportunity for us to um, elevate ourselves. But I in that marriage, that arrogant person that she, she died mm. and I came out of there more aligned, you know, I had practiced my Buddhism, my African spirituality. I came out of there more aligned to where I was this hippie mother for my son. Right. And this, this person who taught him to meditate at two and him had doing yoga and him just being this self-aware young kid, my arrogant self couldn't raise that. Mm. So she had to, she had to be, go. Yeah. She had to say goodbye. She I said she to, just put to bed. fully gone, but she had to be put down. Right. And yeah. then, um, and now it's like a more um, balanced, aligned person who is, like I said, compassionate and understanding emerged out of my marriage. And then I got the company mm-hmm. and was able to take those, you know, my intuition and that part of myself into all these spaces with all of these people that other folks consider to be high profile and everything. A lot of these people need folks like me who are a grounded version of light Mm-hmm. to help them steer their way, to help yeah. them understand what they're trying to do and speak into the world because they have a voice. It just needs to be, you know, fine tuned. And so someone who's gone through so much as I have in my journey, I took it upon myself to like no imposter syndrome ever to, to step in and say, oh yeah, I can, I can help you speak to the souls that you're trying to speak to. I think out of every award, out of every highlight in my career, out of every, all the stuff, it's so much, it's like too much in one life, like all lifetime, right? All the things. <laughs> the thing I'm most proud of is that like Martin Luther King's speechwriter, Dr. Vincent Harding, he passed away in, in uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. He came to me to formulate his speech and all of his stuff, content, everything for his panel with the Dalai Lama in front of 20,000 oh people, right? Wow. Blowing, him That's and blowing up my phone. I was 26 at the time, but he knew, oh, Phoenix knows what to say to this audience. She's going to mm-hmm. know like to pivot me in the right dire- direction. And, you know, I was a practicing Buddhist at the time. So the Dalai Lama been able to be, being able to be the consigliere for someone so powerful who, and then being in front of all these souls that they were going to impact. People are going to remember that for the rest of their lives. Right. Things like that is like what I'm most proud of, right? Um, Which is why you couldn't be a molecular biologist. Because exactly. you had to speak to the people of the Dalai Lama. <laughs> right. 
I mean, come through. Yeah. Like, what a story, family. This is the thing where I had to learn, like, when I was offered that first six-figure salary, and then when I was, throughout the years, building my company, when we pivoted and changed the name to The Phoenix Effect, and, like, things were expanding, growing, all these different things, I realized that I didn't want to be this person that I was portraying, this pencil mm-hmm. suit, Jacqueline from Boomerang, straight hair, <laughs> you know, slim, slim and cute. And on top of her stuff in these boardrooms, these international campaigns we're working on, all this stuff, I realized I don't want this. I don't want a big life with all a whole bunch of employees and a whole bunch of this and a whole bunch of that. Mm. That's not being authentic to the inner core That's very of me, real because right? that has been the model and the visualization of success. Yep, that we've been told. That we've been told. For a very long time. And yet you're like, I don't want any of that. I don't want no parts of that. Well, it's like, okay, I've done all these commercials. I've hosted all these galas. I've done all this international work. I've done traveling and stuff for business, all these things. But none of that stuff made me happy. Not any of it. Mm-hmm. I had to figure out what was my pivot point of happiness. Right. Because once you figure that out then you can maneuver everything around you to fit that mm, mold. Amen. And I, I know a lot of people I see on Instagram and other places, this is why I don't get FOMO, it is why I don't get jealous. I see a lot of people, <laughs> they're, they're out here, they're taking pictures on the red carpet, and I'm like, oh, that is so cute. I remember that. I remember when we did those things. Yeah, I don't want that. It doesn't do it for me, like, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting because um, I was actually at a restaurant recently, and right next to me, not even 10 feet, was, um, was Willow Smith. Mm-hmm. And my first PR event was with her dad, was with Will. But I remember one of my partners years ago said, Phoenix, you remind me of Jada Pinkett Smith. Not that we look alike or any of that. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, true. I know her very well. You and her's energy of being very internally focused. He was like, you two's energy match, right? And one day in an interview, Willow said that her mother has traveled the world within. So she mm. doesn't need to be in the world because the world is within her. Mm. And I was like... That's a word. Because that's how I feel. That's why it's like, I'm excited for everybody else in their journeys and how they're moving and how they're pivoting. But I always tell people as you're pivoting and moving, like, what's your point of clarity of who you actually are? And how do you want your world to look like? I realized that I needed to be true to what I wanted my life to be like. Mm -hmm. I wanted to impact in the shadows. Occasionally I can Mm. come out. Occasionally I can, you know, I'm writing another book now. Occasionally I'll come out and speak and do all the things. But that cannot be my existence because that doesn't make Phoenix happy. Right. And I see so many people who are chasing and looking to their right and left and chasing what they deem to be successful. And it took mm-hmm. them to get tired last year for the soft life hashtag, for to dip, for them to give themselves permission to slow down. And I was like, child, I've been going slow. I've been it looks soft fast to y'all, but I've been moving slow for a, very, a lot of and years. Chilling. Because yeah. I had to make an under, like, making and, and have a balanced understanding with my higher self of like, what's really my, yeah like, what's really my pivot point of clarity? Like, what's, which way do I need to move to make sure that my life is flowing in the way that I need to? And first internally, and then yeah. externally. That's a lot of wisdom. Think about the early successes that you've had. We had another incredible guest on the podcast, Leon Buchanan, who also had some really, really early successes. And I feel like when I'm around folks like you who have not just been successful, but intentional very early on, it seems like that external world that you that you kind of mentioned, that external world, it's, it's great in how it moves, but I think to your point, moving at your own pace, mm-hmm. being aligned, having that sense of clarity, 
it has seemed that no matter which iteration you're in, you know that whatever your reinvention is, it's going to be in alignment and it's going to be clear. Yes. For those who are listening and who are watching this episode, can you share just your insight on how do we walk through reinvention, I think, with the level of like grace in which you give into yourself and though that like internal world, I don't know if it's a search or if it's a, a place that you land or what have you, but but how do how do you walk through that reinvention process and phase with grace? I would say the first step is accepting exactly where you are. Mm. Everyone's like, social media kind of exacerbated this, but everyone's looking forward aggressively. Everyone's looking forward to like that next job, that next situation, that next curve, that next relation, like whatever, everyone's looking forward and no one's like in the now. It's like the first step to really pivoting and getting you yourself where you need to be is like accepting exactly where you are because you're where you are. Yeah, That's where you are and it's okay. It's nothing bad about the, the exact space that you're in, no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels, it's okay. And it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But now that you've accepted it, the next step is then committing to, okay, where do I really want to be yeah. as I shift forward? How do I want my life to feel? Not look like, because we're in a we're in a time where every it's about how things look. Right, right. How do I want to feel every day? Mm -hmm. What's my idea of true freedom? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. Like, okay, if you want to quit your corporate job, what is the purpose behind wanting to quit? Is it because you want more time? Well, how can you integrate having more time now to where maybe you don't have to make such a life change that can affect other parts of your life? Right. Like really look at what does freedom look like to you? Like for me, I like to be able to get up because I ain't never going to get up at 5 a.m. the way that the books would be saying. No. I like to get up I'm not up a good person at 5 a.m. <laughs> I am not my highest self. <laughs> it's like, I want to be able to stop and work out, stop and meditate, stop and clean my house, stop and whatever, do whatever I want to do. I want to be able to attend my son's games and whatever. Mm. I want to be able to do these things and really move my life in a space of normality at my own pace. Yes, yes. And still make the money I want to make. Exactly, right, because I'm, we're not saying compromise on the coin now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying, so what does that look like? Yeah. I had to understand like, okay, if I take on this many more clients and if I take on this many more individual contracts that are working in my company, it puts my stress level up here. So right. I have to find the sweet spot of like, where can Phoenix make the coins that Phoenix is used to making to maintain the lifestyle Phoenix wants to make Very real. without compromising my time and my ability to just have that spirit of grace and energy mm -hmm. on an everyday basis. Because that's where I like... I thrive off of, of moving like water. I know some mm -hmm. people thrive off of moving like fire. Mm -hmm. And again, that's you understanding and having like a a bit of like acceptance of who you are yeah. and where you actually are. Oh, I'm a fire. I'm, I'm ready to burn it up, burn it down, Listen. burn it to the left, burn it to the right. Let's go. And see, that's and that, But you <laughs> understand. But I'm learning water. But the thing is, you understanding that about yourself yeah. is that first step to then making that pivot. Yeah. A lot of yeah. people are trying to pivot and they're moving to the left and right not really understanding where they are now yeah. and having a true understanding of where they really want to be. Like, where do you want to go? Yeah. Right. And it's also 
we're not taught to listen to our, our intuition and our higher selves that much. Mm-hmm. You know what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I tell people that, oh, that's supposed to women is all the time. Like, you know, you know what it is. You're not listening, mm-hmm. but you know. And this is the same when it comes to our careers as well. You, re- you really do know what's going to make you happy and where you should go next. Mm-hmm. You have to have the courage and the bravery to step into that mm. and know that when it's time for you to leap, it's time for you to leap. Yes. Uh, the day before I walked out of my marriage, I was on uh, the patio of um, our condo. And I remember I heard a voice loud as they say, Phoenix, it's time for you to jump. It's time for you to fly. Mm. And either we're going to push you or you're going to do this voluntarily, but mm-hmm. it's time to go. Choice is yours. Packed up my stuff the next day. Was mm. gone. And the reality was we are always given that, but it shouldn't come to that. I should have left a long time ago, right? But that's that's just one example. We shouldn't all be pushed to pivot. You sh- your money shouldn't be drying up for you to pivot. You knew six months ago you didn't want to be involved in X, Y, and Z. You should have made a shift and a change then. But the right. fact that you weren't listening to yourself and listening to God or your ancestors, whoever you pray to. you should to, have hired that person. Yes. Six months later, you're like, exactly. you know, you should have fired that person. Exactly. <laughs> and listen, I'm quick. My my alert level is low. I'm quick to get rid of somebody if the process is not working. That's another story. But it's like, you have to like move when you hear it. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait until you are forced to pivot, which is why a lot of people are running around a little lost because, and without confidence in their pivot mm-hmm. because they are being forced to pivot. Yeah, you yeah. knew you you saw the every woman has intuition, every man as well. You saw the curve moving a long time ago. Yeah, and you yeah. should have moved with it, you know, and trust yourself to see it and move with it. So acceptance, commitment, that self trust. In, yeah. in the process and listening to yourself mm-hmm. are the biggest things I can tell someone to do as they are moving towards clarity and reinventing the mm-hmm. person that they're trying to become. I just feel like I need to move in with you. Like, you I can. feel like, like oh, girl, I you know, like, I got my little mini mansion. I mean, you I can always come. Like, I, I mean, you're just going to help me get my whole life together. Well, Phoenix is always like being in conversation and in community with you is so incredible and i just want to thank you for sharing your story sharing your insight um and giving us just even a personal view of so many of the incredible things that you shared some of the hard things that you shared Mm -hmm. um but the grace in which you do it i think continues to be empowering and inspiring and i'm hoping that our listeners take all of this and really apply it to their reinvention Yes. Thank you. Thank Thank you for joining me. And thank you for having me. You know, I love you to pieces. I I really do. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Road to Reinvention. If you find yourself moved or feeling free after tuning in, make sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform and share this with someone you know who may be navigating a similar journey. You do not have to do this alone. To hang out with me more, head over to join our fluency newsletter at shereldorsey.com. Until next episode, may you embrace your need to recreate, revitalize, and reinvent yourself over and over.